Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Today we continue our Sunday morning series entitled The Old Corn of Canaan. In this series, we will learn to leave the survival mentality of the wilderness and become stable in the land of promise. Stability brings success, and success brings significance. And with part three of the series, here is lead pastor Rex Johnson. I love you folks, and uh, it's just the way it is. I love you. There's no question about it. We are, uh, we're living in a, in a little diverse time right now, to say the least. It's a little unique. If you'll go to YouTube, you'll see 27 things that are going to come together and convene and have a convention in this month and the 1st of October. And it's all things that are pointing to an imminent end. And so today, I'm, I'm not going to be a fear monger. I'm going, to, I'm going to preach a little bit today. And we're going to call it Old Corn of Canaan series again. But I'm going to, I'm going to speak today on this subject. Preacher... Preach me in to my tomorrow. I, uh, I heard about a doctor that told a patient one day, he said, I have some bad news and some worse news. And the patient said, so let's have it. He said, well, the bad news is you only have 24 hours to live. The patient said, I can't imagine what would be worse than that. He said, the doctor said, I forgot to tell you yesterday. <laughs> if I can say so, that's kind of where a lot of people feel about where they're living right now in this life. How much time do we have? Where are we standing? Where are we at? I want to preach to you today. Preacher, preach me into my tomorrow. If the entrance to the inferno is graced with the words, abandon hope, then the entrance to God's house should say, find hope here. It is a silent cry of the pew to the pulpit. Pastor, we need hope. That's what we need. We need hope. The postmodern world has dawned with a cold and a sickly light. Pulpits should be like old lamplighters. We should punch holes in the darkness. And words are the only coins that I have to spend from this pulpit. But I know spent correctly, they'll purchase people a brand new life. And spent wrongly, they will condemn people forever from the place we're trying to take them. Alexander the Great said this, and I'm going to use this throughout this message. I love this. One of the greatest quotes I've ever read in my life. He said, I would not fear an army of lions led by a sheep. But I would fear an army of sheep led by a lion. Can I tell you something? I already know the end of the book. The Lion of Judah prevails. And we're his followers. And if hell could be heard speaking today, hell would say, wow, I sure feel an army of sheep being led by the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Would somebody clap your hand and say, I'm happy I'm a part of this thing today. Pablo Picasso was a Spanish Cubist artist who who sketched and he sculpted and he painted his way into prominence in the early 20th century. On rare occasions, he painted live portraits. One such instance was his painting of Gertrude Stein, one of America's foremost authors. Stein was born in Oakland, 
educated in Radcliffe College and studied some uh, also at John Hopkins University. And for most of her life, she lived in Paris, and there she would write. To many, Gertrude's prose was unintelligible, but to the elite, her words were sublime. She wrote stuff like, a rose is a rose is a rose. That's all she said. And then she wrote stuff like, when they are alone, they want to be with others. And when they are with others, they want to be alone. After all, she said, human beings are like that. But my attention today is not so much focused on her writings or her words or her life story. But it's on the encounter she had one day with the great artist Pablo Picasso. During the winter of 1905 and 1906, Gertrude Stein set for an exceptional portrait to be painted by the master. Ninety times she set before the canvas. Ninety times Picasso grew frustrated. Finally, in frustration, Picasso said, I can't see you any longer when I look at you. I have to leave now. I can't see you any longer when I look at you. So he packed up his brushes. He packed his paints and his canvases and returned home to Spain. And there... Without her in front of him, he would continue working on the portrait of Gertrude Stein. And by spring, it was largely finished, and in the fall, the painting was unveiled, and here it is. Here's the painting of Gertrude Stein. Now, you've got to understand something. The woman that he painted was a very young woman. But the woman that's on the screen here today is a woman with a wizened face, and she looks much older, and she's somber, and she's pensive. Gertrude Stein smiled a lot, but there she is. Eventually, a lone voice courageously remarked to Picasso that Gertrude did not look like her portrait. And Picasso replied simply, she will one day. She will look like this one day. And indeed, as time passed, Gertrude became the image of Picasso's portrait. Any artist can paint what is. Good artists can paint what once was. But it takes a master to paint what shall be. And Picasso was a painter that painted what shall be. Today I look at the faces of partially completed canvases in our congregation. And I pray that the master will allow me to catch a glimpse of what he sees for your life. And may the words that I use as brushes to preach to each of you. Not as you are. Not as you were but as you someday shall be. Amen. Preacher, I need somebody to preach me into my tomorrow. I'm going to do my best today. My mind goes back when our Lord walked the dusty trails of life and near the village of Capernaum along the sandy shores of Galilee, he happened upon a young man who was busy fishing. Jesus, I want to ask you a question. What did you see in Simon Peter? That nobody else saw. He must have seen an ambitious, aggressive entrepreneur. Already he owned several boats and had a number of people working for him. And Jesus said simply two words to him, follow me. And those two words changed Peter's life forever. No longer after that day did he fish for fish, but now he fished for men. But Simon was not a quick learner. He had a temper. <laughs> He did. He, had, he was vocal. Asked the guy in the garden that got his ear cut off. He had a temper. He was pushy. And when he failed, he failed big. But when he shined, he shined brightly. His mistakes were as visible as his strengths were undeniable. So it is no surprise that in Simon's bundle of life, triumph lay so close to failure 
And one day, Jesus outside of Capernaum decided to have a little fireside chat with his boys. He said, who do men say that I am? And some of them said, well, some say you're Elijah and some say you're Jeremiah and some say you're the prophet. Some say you're John the Baptist. But he said, who do you say that I am? And Simon answered and said unto him, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said unto him, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. Watch this now. For flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter. Not only do you know who I am. Can I say something? It's not in my notes. But you'll never get the revelation of who you are in God until God understands that you understand who he is in you. How many believe that he is the Christ? Come on. How many believe he's our Messiah today? How many believe that he died for you today? How many believe he was buried? How many believe he's coming back? You'll never get the revelation of who you are until you show him the revelation of what he is to you. I'm going to build my church. Everybody say my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. There's something you need to understand today before I go any further. There's two immutable things. God cannot lie. He is God and he cannot lie. Not that he won't lie. He cannot lie. Not that he won't try to lie and be stopped, but he cannot lie. And when Jesus Christ said, I will build my church. He said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I think that that needs a hand clap from everybody in this house right now. That needs a hand clap. I'm I'm banking everything I preach on that phrase right there. And he said, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom in heaven. And whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. I love the message version. I love Peterson's message version. Here's what he said when Jesus told Peter, thou art Peter. He said, the message said, and now I'm going to tell you who you are. Who you really are. I love that because he sensed that there was a a definite definition that God was saying through Jesus Christ. He was saying it to Peter. I'm going to tell you who you are, who you really are. I want to tell this church today who you are, who you really are. And that's not all. You You will have complete and free access to the God's kingdom, keys to open any and every door, no more barriers between heaven and earth, earth and heaven. A yes on earth is a yes in heaven, and a no on earth is a no in heaven. What brilliance. What brilliance. What faith that illuminates the role and the character of Jesus Christ. The remainder of the disciples probably were saying, wow, I wish I'd have said that. But they didn't. Pete did. Yet a handful of verses later, the same Jesus rebuked Simon, calling him Satan. What a difference this was. So I asked the question, is Simon blessed or is Simon cursed? No, Jesus saw the flawed human being who stood before him that day. Yet superimposed over his present weakness was a bold image of his future strengths. Because, hear me, Jesus sees things differently than we do. Turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus sees me different than you see me.
and then say hallelujah. I want to talk just a moment here about the disappointment of now. I want to talk about now just a little bit. It's going to be a little negative. Please stay with me. If one looks long enough at today, they will be disappointed. There's a lot of folks in the church today that wish we'd have scored six more touchdowns yesterday. But we didn't. We didn't score one. We got beat 38 to 3. That's all I'll say about that. But Stephen Hawking calls this now that we're living in, he calls it a perfect storm. He says that everything is converging at one time right now on our world. And it's bringing about a cataclysmic situation that's going to occur in our lives. We're living in a time also when good and bad have swapped uniforms. Evil reigns on the earth. It's as if one prophetic voice said that looks like God has taken his hand off the earth and the enemy is reigning on the earth. I do know this. There's an open season on those who protect us. The offers of the law are, feel like deer in November because everybody's shooting at them right now. And next week, the forces of the Hebrew faith and the Muslim faith will clash in their holy times of Rosh Hashanah and Shemitah. And the fourth blood moon will shine in the next two weeks. This month signals a year also of jubilee when everybody gets to go free. I like that more than anything. And it signals of a stock market to collapse is on the horizon. But I've got this and I want to share it with you. A clay pot sitting in the sun will always be a clay pot. It has to go through the white heat of a furnace to become porcelain. Sometimes things are going to get a little heated up for us. But I promise you, God will not put more on us than we are able to bear. But he will, with every temptation, provide a way of escape that we might be able to bear it. I'm looking forward to the now because I know after now is a tomorrow. And I know tomorrow what's going to happen in our world. Somebody say amen. Regardless of how good the optimist sees it or how bad the pessimist sees it or how real the realist sees it, there's always room for improvement in our now. The Bible says we now see through a glass darkly. We do. It's not the glass that's dark. It's us that see dark through the glass because we've not yet arrived. However, most of our lives are not lived in those tensions most of our lives, I'm going to preach now, are lived in the mundane. It's Sunday to Friday. Saturday's a little rest day, then Sunday to Friday. And we live from week to week. We live many times day to day. I read something recently that in a person's 70 years of living, they spend six months waiting at stoplights. They spend eight months opening junk mail, and that was before email. They spend one year looking for misplaced objects. I think I've had two and a half years of that already. They spend two years unsuccessfully returning phone calls. They spend four years doing housework. They do five years waiting in line at Bluebell last week. They spend six years eating. That's nearly 20 years of just down mundane time. Now is filled with the mundane. And the tedious now is dominated by drudgery and often disappointment. Now, in this present world, we can so easily be blinded from the facts that God is at work behind the curtain of life. Now, God is busy right now changing us. 
And without this knowledge, our lives get tasteless. A pervading sense of emptiness creeps into our hollow shells. And each day, we sense that we fall woefully short of the mark because the creaking and the groaning of our bones and joints seem to be nothing more than the scales of life sounding sonorously. You have been weighed in the balance and found wanting because hell wants you to understand that he wants to take you away. He tries to wear out the saints of God. Oh, somebody let me preach on this holiday. Unnamed hopes, staring to mute mirrors and begging answers, yet the present world offers no comfort. Now, right now, is the synonym for despair for a lot of people. Peggy Lee was an old singer. She was a famed jazz singer from yesteryears. She won a Grammy Award for singing a song of a person disappointed with the present. The song's title was, Is That All There Is? Is That All? With a mixture of her monologue and song, Peggy described seeing a fire as a child and seeing watching someone's world go up in flame. And then she said with a raspy voice, is that all there is to a fire? Is that all? She went to see a circus and gazing at the three rings and watching the panorama of man and beast in gaudy costumes, she sensed disappointment again. She said, is that all there is to a circus? She fell in love. Yet exiting from the roller coaster of emotion, she fell pensive and said, is that all there is to love? And Peggy's haunting melody then espoused the Epicurean philosophy. Is that all there is? Is that all there is? If that's all there is, my friend, then let's keep dancing. Let's break out the booze and have a ball if that's all there is. But Peggy, the problem is in the conditional use of the word if. If that's all there is, then eat, drink, and be merry. Yet... Peggy, I want to tell you, that isn't all that there is. Once again, this pastor will say to all today and those who listen via podcast around the world, when I was just a small boy, I heard a man of God, I was sitting on the front row, heard a man of God talk about the hereafter. He talked about a heaven and I know it's unpopular to preach about it right now that soon there would be a day like none other. A moment in time that would eclipse the mundane and would change the whole atmosphere of life as we know it. And when I was a little boy, I grabbed a hold of it. I used to stand on my back porch and say, God, when are you coming to get us? And here I stand today still preaching in my mid-60s. And I'm still young in my heart. But I'm telling you, I'm waiting on a change. I'm waiting on the rapture. I'm waiting on the coming of Jesus Christ. I'm not going to let now destroy my tomorrow. Can somebody help me preach right now? The Bible said in Hebrews 11, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We always put the emphasis on faith there. Look at it. Now faith. But I like to back it up and say now. (laughs) If now is full of mundane intention, I'd like to say I've got a now faith in a now world. It moved me. I got a now faith in a now world. I got a now faith in a now world. You know what Isaiah said? Isaiah said, anoint your shield. You know what the shield, shield is in the, in the armor of God? The shield of faith. He said, anoint your faith. The problem with a lot of people in this now generation is they don't anoint their shield. 
See, they made those shields out of dead, dead skin, but they had to anoint them so that the arrows would slip off and the darts would not stick. And if the shield was not anointed, it was execution day. You would die. The first flaming arrow that hit your shield would not bounce off. Some people just profess faith, but what we need in this church is active faith. We need people that are acting on their faith, not just, oh, hallelujah, not just professing a faith, not just saying, well, I believe God. I signed the register. I belong to a church. No, we need somebody that has an active faith that says, I'm gonna anoint my shield. I'm gonna hold off the fiery darts of hell. I will not be destroyed by now because I have a now faith. Hallelujah, hallelujah. The only thing that will combat combat the now syndrome is a now faith. Because now can be such a disappointment. Because it is synonymous with despair. Many of us are like Simon. All we do is make mistakes in our own mind. We just keep doing the wrong thing and coming back to church. We keep saying the wrong thing. Stand up when we should sit down and run when we should stand. And you gaze long enough at today's mirror and you will be disappointed in yourself. We need something more, not just an uncertain present, but a certain future. We need a now faith today for hope of a tomorrow. I want to talk about tomorrow a little bit. Tomorrow is filled with hope. This is a different kind of sermon, but I'm preaching my heart out to you today. The Bible provides at best a mixed message concerning the subject of tomorrow. On the one hand, we're commanded to not worry about tomorrow. Banking on tomorrow that may never come is risky business. Only today, the Bible said, we can find salvation. Now is the appointed hour. Only today is when God gives us strength for today, not for tomorrow. Yet the Bible also teaches us to live in confident expectation of the future. Luke said, when all these things begin to come come to pass in your life, Luke 21 and 28, he said, lift up your head. Stand and lift up your head for your redemption is drawing nigh. I do not know if that's the second coming of Jesus Christ. I just know that when stuff starts happening, redemption starts coming close. Because where sin doth abound, grace doth much more abound. And the darker the night, the brighter the light. Is somebody helping me preach right now? I'm not going to walk through this month of September in a defeated posture. I'm going to walk through this month saying, I got some now faith and it's anointed and I'm going to stand on the promise of God. I'm going to believe that God's miracles that he gave us in July and August are going to last through September. We're going to keep seeing the miraculous of God. God's got a church that's going to go to heaven. When doubt whispers, we're taught that no famine, no pestilence, no blight, no enemy can waste us. Weeping may be for the present, but joy comes tomorrow. We're children of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Job said, I'm gonna see him for myself and not for another. This flesh is gonna see God. This flesh is gonna see God. Put your hand on your heart and say, this flesh is going to see God. Come on, we're going to see him. I promise you, if he died on a cross, was buried and rose again and ascended, he's coming back. Don't let hell tell you it's a fairy tale. It's not a fairy tale. It's the real tale. We're telling the real story today. Jesus has a tomorrow for our lives, and we've got to have a now faith to reach there. 
I love what Corey Ten Boom said. She said, never be afraid to trust the unknown future to a known God. That used to not hurt. That hurt a little bit there. <laughs> Never be afraid to trust the unknown future to a known God. Never. Believe in Him. Trust in Him. There's hope for our tomorrows. Jesus looked at Simon and called him Cephas. He called him the rock. It's as if Jesus was assuring Simon Peter, I see where you are today, but I see also where you'll be tomorrow. He gave him the keys to the kingdom. He didn't give that to a reed. He gave it to a rock. He preached at Pentecost. That wasn't a reed. That was a rock. He raised the dead and healed the lame. That wasn't a reed. That was a rock. If Simon needed some hope, so do we. Because hope is not a luxury. It's a commodity. It's not frills and fringes. It's standard operating equipment. We don't need a little hope. We need a lot of hope. Faith is a gift from God. Say, Pastor, I want my faith to be holy in the Lord. Faith gives us hope for the future. It's the way God looks at things. He calls those things to be that are not as though they are. He sees not only the present, he sees the past, but he also sees the future. And he scatters hope seed in the barrenness of the present. By faith it grows. In Isaiah chapter 49, Isaiah was frustrated because the walls of Jerusalem had been smitten and taken down. And the Lord looked at him and, and he said, Listen, Jerusalem's walls are breached and broken. I know that. Yet God said, Thy walls are continually before me. What he was saying was, I don't see your walls breached. I don't see you broken down. I see your walls erected and strong in Jerusalem being a great city. What you understand is that God doesn't see all the mistakes that you're making. He doesn't see all the pity parties that you're having because he covered it by the blood of Jesus on a cross a long time ago. He's seeing your wall strong. He's seeing yourself strong today. Why don't you see yourself as God sees you today? Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. You may, be, you may see the present, but God sees the future. You may see the problem, God sees the possibility. You may see the rubble, God sees the phoenix rising from the ashes. That's right. And on the wings of faith we soar into our tomorrows. Oh, preacher, I've gone too far. Let me talk. Let me talk just a minute. Pastor, I've gone too far. No, you hadn't. No, you hadn't. Samson failed, but God picked him up again. Jeremiah cursed the day he was born. God lifted him out of a pit of mire. Elijah cried that he might die, but the angels came close when he was discouraged and fed him angel food cake. God, I wish, I wish I could somehow just go so crazy here preaching today that some of you people would get up and say, I will never doubt the mundane of life again. I will never say to hell, okay, I'm tired of fighting. I wish somebody would say in their spirit today, I'm going to walk out of here with some now faith and my shield anointed and I'm going to walk into the battle and I'm going to say God is for me. Because I promise you, the enemy's not afraid of, a, of an army of lions led by a sheep but he's afraid of an army of sheep led by the lion of the tribe of Judah. We are special. 
This church is special. God's word is a bridge from now to tomorrow, and I close. In the beginning, God's word brought light from darkness. It still does when it's proclaimed. It's a preached word of God that brings light and liberty and life. Ezekiel went to a valley one day of dry bones, and it wasn't on Labor Day. You folks ain't bones. But he went to a valley of dry bones. And he said, Lord, can these bones live? The Lord asked him. He said, Lord, you know. You know what he told him? He said, prophesy to them. Preach to them. Preach to them about a tomorrow. Preach to them about a tomorrow. And he started preaching. And all of a sudden, those bones, maybe a hip bone was over here and a toe bone was over here, and they found one another. That makes me believe in the rapture more than anything. Because if it happened in Ezekiel's vision, it can happen one day when we all go home to be with Jesus. Amen? I'm still going to preach about a hereafter, folks. I'm not going to preach a here and now all of my life. There is a hereafter. There is a tomorrow in our life. And that, that, the, the, that, that ragtag group of Ephraimites became a mighty army that ruins of the past was raised to the pride of the future and that boneyard became a battalion for almighty God because he preached the word of God it's not to the standard of Picasso yet it's eloquent it's a painting that shows an old burned out mountain shack and all that remains was a chimney in front of the destroyed home was a grandfather clutching a little boy who was evidently sobbing bowing at his feet throw it up there throw it up there throw it up there there it is and the, and the caption underneath that picture is simply this, Hush, child, God ain't dead. I want to tell you, I don't care what's been burned out in your life, what's been destroyed in your past, what has come against you all your life. I want you to hush your mouth. God is not dead today. I want you to hush your mouth. God is not dead today. I want you to say, no, 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 no. He's still alive. He's still on planet earth. He's still in the heavens. He's still for me. And if God is for me, who can be against me? Come on. We're a mighty army. Let's walk into September with faith. Let's walk into September with our shields anointed. Let's walk into September with the glory of God on our head and the praise of God in our heart and worship on our tongue. Let's walk into September magnifying the mighty God of heaven. God ain't dead. Peace to your white caps. He's awake. He's alert. He's able. Isaiah 6 and 3 says simply this. The whole earth is full of his glory. This is about all I got to say. But the whole earth is full of his glory. You know what hell tries to do? He tries to distract us. He tries to distract us. He really does. Can I tell you what the greatest victory was in Jesus' earthly life? Can I tell you what it was? It wasn't the resurrection from the grave. It was his ascension into heaven. Because the Bible calls the enemy the prince and power of the air. Woo! And one day Jesus stood on a hillside and said, I'll be back. And he said it better than Arnold Schwarzenegger ever said it. <laughs> I will be back. And he started elevating. And they thought he was levitating, but he was elevating. And he went through the atmosphere of this earth to the heavenlies. He went right through the prince and the power of the air's domain. 
and he never blinked an eye. Here's what I want to tell you, folks. One of these days, we're going to be standing in church, leaving in the parking lot, driving home, going home one day, coming home from a job, and our car is going to go without a driver. (laughs) Hallelujah. One of these days, somebody's going to be in a closet in a prayer room praying, and you're going to say, Lord, I love And before you can say you, you're going to be in his presence. I'm telling you because one day the Lord has already proven that hell cannot stop what God has started. He said upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You write it down. There's an old mariner's chart on display in the British Museum in London. It's originally sketched in 1525 and vaguely outlines the coast of the North American adjacent waters. And the cartographer made some intriguing notations on certain unexplored areas of the map. He wrote, here be giants, here be fiery scorpions, here be dragons. But one day, that, that chart came in possession of Sir John Franklin, a British explorer in the early 1800s who was a Christian. And scratching through the fearful inscriptions, he replaced them with these words, here is God. Wherever you are, don't worry about the giants. Wherever you are, don't worry about the scorpions. Wherever you are, don't worry about the dragons. Because when you think all of that's coming in, just re- I want to remind you, here is God also. Here is God also. And when God gets good and ready, he's going to clean house. He's coming back on a white charger, and he's going to clean house. There is a tomorrow in our life. There is a tomorrow in our life. So I preach to your present fear and point you to tomorrow's hope. I preach to your present failure. Say, by the grace of God, a brighter day is coming. I preach to your current weakness and say, strength, great strength is on the way. So here's what Simon did. Simon looked like he had fallen so greatly. Looked like he had just flattened himself like a man being knocked out and falling face first in the mat. He looked like it was over. He denied him. Then he went and he sought repentance. And the Lord's eyes just looked at him. And he found repentance, but he didn't know if he had found forgiveness. So he he did the only thing that he thought he needed to do. He went fishing. He went fishing. And when he went fishing, he did it for this reason. He said, you know... When the Lord found me, I was fishing. But I've made so many blunders in my life. I just wonder if he had come out here and find me again. Because if he comes out here, he still loves me. He still loves the man that I am and not what I've been, but who I really am in him. And Jesus found him. And after he went through all the do you love me, do you love me, do you love me, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. He said, Simon, when you're converted, you're going to strengthen your brethren. And Simon was converted. He strengthened his brethren. And the rest is history. And we preach about him today with glowing terms because it showed the humanity of life being led into a tomorrow by a God that will never fail. And some of us are in the same road, in the same beat, in the same path that Pete walked. We walked from Simon to a name Simon, to a name Peter, back to Simon, back to a name like Peter, back to a name like Simon, back to a name like Peter. And you know what? 
Jesus called him Simon when he brought him out of the water and said, Simon, do you love me? He put the reed word back on him. And I'm sure when Simon got on the boat, headed home, back to his wife and his kids, I imagine Simon said, man, I've messed up. He called me Simon. He called me Simon. I must have really failed. No, Simon, you didn't. He was just talking to the last part of you, the back part of you, the part of you that flunked and failed. But he was really still believing that you were Cephas. He still believed that you were Peter because he let you preach Pentecost. He gave you the keys of the kingdom. And he also, Pete, he also let you perform miracles, signs, and wonders in your ministry. And today you're honored by every denomination in the whole world as being the man that Jesus Christ favored But yet he was that, just a man. So as we walk through September, Randy, help me. As we walk through September and we get into this now syndrome, we get into the now and all these cataclysmic events, this perfect storm that Stephen Hawking talked about, all these things coming to pass, it'll be easy to bite your fingernails down to the quick. It'll be easy to lay awake at night and drink Maalox by the gallons. But I encourage you to keep eating bluebell. I encourage you to keep believing that God is for us. Come on. I encourage you. Can I preach to you today? I encourage you. I encourage you in the name of the Lord to walk, to walk humbly with God and to let God just direct your path because He will direct your path. He will guide your footsteps and He will be your God. Call this fireside chat from Pastor on September the 6th, 2015. My brother's birthday is today. Happy birthday, brother. If you was alive, I'd honor you today, but I honor you anyhow. Happy birthday to my older brother, the one that should be preaching, and I should be a doctor or a, a lawyer. That's big thinking, ain't it? And paying him tithe and offerings and supporting his ministry because he's the kind of guy who'd put his hand around my, or his arm around my neck and say, have you tithed this week? But I got the privilege of preaching because he, he passed up on it. But here I am today as pastor of this church, and I'm telling you, you hear me, listen to me real strong. Your pastor's faith and this church's stance is going to take us through any situation. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's preached the truth to us today. It'll take us through. Now, now is, is despair. Tomorrow is coming. And the only thing that bridges the now to tomorrow is the word of God. And the word of God will stay true in this church. Amen. Stand up all over the building. I want to do something in a family. And that concludes today's message. Please visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, to register for an upcoming event, or to support the Christian Life Ministry through our online giving portal. Thank you for listening.